How's everyone doing? Happy Sunday. Sam Rajoski here, Sam Nation, live on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, searing hot. If you're not here and you're listening to this program, be glad. Or at least be glad if you're somewhere that is not 150 degrees. Wow. And it's only 10 a.m. <laughs> this is good stuff. All right. <laughs> Politico. <laughs> Great quote from President Obama speaking, of course, off the record to one of his friends. Don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. <laughs> this as it relates to Vice President Biden's entrance here with his new uh, vice presidential pick, Ms. Harris. Why? Because the conventional wisdom right now in the media and among the Democrats is that this was a brilliant pick. This was everything he needs. The two of them together. What a pair. Boy, they look good. They look fantastic. They look strong. What a team. And so for the last, you know, five days, I've been reading nothing but this fawning coverage. And occasionally someone in the mainstream media says, reminding you of the times that prosecutor Harris uh, would, you know, throw people, people of color routinely, mostly into prison for long jail sentences over trivial drug crimes and such inconvenient truth, uh, especially now considering that police reform, prison reform, BLM and such is the topic du jour on the left. But you wouldn't that gets lost. The, the big picture right now, the big story in the media is that, you know, Biden hit it out of the park. And I'm with Obama. Do not underestimate Biden's ability to mess things up. I mean, this guy is a clown. I've been following him for just trust me on this. And his biggest screw up when. I'm going to say this, I think the chances are uh, with the big caveat, of course, being this mail in ballot nonsense. Uh, I this I, I see this race this week now leaning Trump. And if. Well, if that happens, if Trump wins the race and people are looking back at the Biden campaign going and asking, you know, hand wringing what went wrong. The moment in time when when Biden in the primaries committed himself to picking a woman of color. As his vice president, I think that is going to be. Uh, will be viewed as one of his biggest strategic mistakes. Now, it happened at a time when he was suffering, and it looked like he might be down and out. It was none other than uh, than Ms. Harris who attacked him for uh, for his uh, previous positions on busing, uh, school segregation or desegregation. And so Biden was scrambling. And what Biden does when he's scrambling is he improvises and he improvises not from a position of strength, uh, which is more Trump style. Uh, And, uh, you know, Trump will say crazy things, but he's he's an alpha. Uh, 
uh, Biden starts backing up and he starts making concessions. And this particular concession on the, I don't know, the the immutable characteristics of his running mate, which have nothing to do with the substance of the pick, right? It's just pandering. He made a promise to pander. And that was such a bad idea because now he's got a he's got a sidekick who's not particularly strong. What did she do in the primary? I mean, Biden limped his way through the primary. I, I mean, it's not it's not like Biden was a was was a candidate that came in and just stole the show. If you'll recall, it took him a while. He didn't really get over the hump until South Carolina. But Harris didn't even make it to the to, to Iowa. Harris dropped out in December. She never got past. 15%. That's she peaked at 15%. And I don't think she ever got past being number 3 in the polls in the Democratic primaries. So I'm I I'm just I'm pointing out that she was not a particularly great fundraiser. She raised a lot of money initially. Uh some of it in fact from some people that I know who love her because of course she represents something that is incredible. She is the daughter of immigrants who came to this country with virtually nothing and built a life that allowed their daughter to, to rise. No doubt. It's a great story. But that does not make her a substantive lift for Biden in the long run. Buttigieg. Remember that guy? Incredibly well spoken. The only negative, really, in 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 the in the primary, my opinion, is that he was too young. Just not only was he actually young, but he he looks like a child. But it, I mean, there's a candidate that could have been. I mean, he had a following. Uh, he had he brought in moderates. He was a mayor, which I think right now, with all the issues going on. With civil unrest in cities could have been a good thing. Buttigieg could have been a fantastic, a much better, stronger vice presidential pick. And eh, didn't happen because Buttigieg on the totem of grievances ranks quite low as a white male gay man. This is how the Democrats think. You have to pick in when when the going gets tough, you've got to pick people based on their substance. And even when it even when you're not up against the wall. How we ought to operate is by picking the best person for the job, male or female, regardless of their color, regardless of 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 their identity, whatever their immutable characteristics are and based on their skill, their intellect, their drive. Their resume, period. And so up against a backdrop of a country right now that is really, I mean, we're being told, right, what is, you know, the proper thing to say. And you can't criticize BLM and you can't criticize these peaceful protesters that are ripping great American cities to shreds. You can't criticize any of this. But Americans across this country, I promise you, 
are sitting at home quietly talking amongst themselves and are looking at this Biden-Harris ticket and are going, wait a minute, is this that gal that's so cozy with the fringe lefty left of the Democratic Party, the all those people right now that are oh, giving us heartburn as we sit in our suburban homes, wondering when the ring of fire will make it to our doorstep. Right? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are very quiet, are not popping their heads up because they know it's whack-a-mole. You, you, you say something that is not orthodox, mainstream, you're dead. <laughs> You'll get fired from your job. You're out of there. Your life is over. Now, I think those people are quietly looking at this ticket, and they, they, are, not, they are not pleased by it. And Biden missed an opportunity to, to steal the center away from Trump's candidacy. Missed opportunity. All right. Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Uh, some great one-liners here from uh, Kamala Harris from the campaign that I will play for you when she and Biden were going at it. Of course, now they're they're chummy chummy. But um, I think this stuff is going to play front and center in some Trump attack ads. Uh, be back back right after this. Las Vegas is a place where working the system can get you in serious trouble. I'm looking at you, card counters. But why not go after the system in a positive way? At Sam and Ash, we provide that with the best personal injury representation. And as a former insurance defense attorney, I know their tricks and will use that to your advantage. With our compassionate yet tenacious drive, we'll get you the maximum settlement that you deserve. So call us anytime at 702-820-1234. Or visit SamandAsh.com. Because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajofsky almost, almost overstayed my welcome in the break room. Uh, back behind the Sam Nation microphone here at News Talk AM 840 KXNT. And speaking of another example of how Biden could have improved his chances, I have, a, I have friends, and by the way, I, it's a frequent topic of this program. I always say we should have friends that think differently than we do. We should all strive for this because it's important to not be stuck in an echo chamber of agreement. It's character building. It's intellect building. So I have this friend who I I adore. I cherish him. And he is I, I, I don't know if he voted for Trump four years ago or not. I would suppose maybe he did. But he was not going to vote for Trump this time around. Absolutely not going to do it. He doesn't love Biden, but he was waiting for this pick. He was waiting for the vice presidential pick. It was like, a, does it tilt me over the thing or not? And you know what he told me? He said, if Biden had picked Tammy Duckworth, who was... Of course, the congresswoman who served this country, I believe, lost her legs in combat. Um, you know, I, I, she's a Democrat, but, you know, anyway, for some reason, he had his heart set on Duckworth. But he said, Harris, no way. I'm not voting for that ticket. I guess I'm going to vote for Trump. 
all in one week's time. I'm telling you, there's other people like that. And do do you remember, for example, I'm going to bring up another name that's been out of the news uh, for a little while. You remember Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard? If Biden, if Biden had just said, I'm going to pick a woman and didn't get himself stuck in this in this cul-de-sac uh, tight spot by saying it would be a woman of color, he could have picked uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who another candidate who in the number two slot would have absolutely stolen the center away from Trump. So I'm I'm just explaining to you where I'm coming from. I, I don't see this as being a great pick. And I'm not look, I'm not coming at this as an ex-Californian living in Nevada that hates all things California. So what Harris's number one problem is not that she came from California or even that she came from the Bay Area. It's that her position on crime isn't credible at a time when you need credibility. And it's not it's simply my answer is it's simply not credible because in the last year and a half, she has been making herself over as basically a civil libertarian and as an advocate for BLM. But when she was a a, a line prosecutor. In Northern California and later attorney general, she was very tough on crime and she was I mean, the, the left does not like her. So the the more radical left, the people who are, mm, I you know, not happy right now and are, are very pro BLM are looking at her record and don't find her her new position credible. And of course, those of us who would be perfectly fine if she were a consistent, tough prosecutor and went into this race today in 2020 as a tough on crime prosecutor. I mean, we could live with that. This election is a referendum, a referendum on what is going on in all these cities across the country. It is a referendum on the police. It is a referendum on public safety. And do you know how I know that? Well, one, I know it. I intuitively understand it because it is the top issue that every person, regardless of their party, regardless of their politics, wants to talk to me about. But the other reason I know it is because Trump, love him or hate him, he has the ability to, he has the innate ability to sniff out the major issues. It's why he won the election in the first place. It's why he he grabbed the Republican nomination away from a field of contenders and some arguably very strong, smart candidates. He boiled it down, right? Immigration, economy, so forth. And what happened now is he's running under law and order, and you see him tweeting it. Law and order in 2020 is build the wall in 2016. And and a year ago, by the way, I, I was worried that he had to build the wall before you know, before the election, so as not to lose his base, his base, everyone's forgotten about the wall because our cities are literally on fire. It is interesting how times change. So going back in a bit of a time machine. Before Joe Biden even entered the presidential race in April of 2019, 
Uh, Kamala Harris said that she believed the women who accused Joe Biden of sexual impropriety. Listen to this. I believe them and I, I respect um, them being able to tell their story and having the courage to do it. Do you believe that the vice president should enter this race? Oh, I, he's going to have to make that decision for himself. I wouldn't tell him what to do. She says, I believe them, referring to the women who came forward about Biden. And I respect them for being able to tell their story, blah, blah, blah. And then the reporter asked, do you think the vice president should enter the race? Uh, He's going to have to answer that one for himself. (laughs) At any rate, then there was this famous encounter during a 2019 primary debate. On, uh, and, and it got kind of testy because uh, uh, Harris basically calls out Biden on his friendship with segregationists in the Senate and his record on federal busing. Listen, Vice President Biden, um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe and it is personal and I was actually very it was hurtful. To hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. And that little girl was me. Remember that? And Biden was up there. He looked like a lost man. I mean, it was he he just it was a knife right through the heart. And it was and, and no doubt it was planned. It was premeditated. That line was rehearsed. She had it ready to go. Now, I know that politics, you know, is a place where you've got to have thick skin. And it's a place where you let bygones be bygones. Uh, but uh, but I you, you and then no doubt there is mistrust between these two camps, between the Harris camp and the the Biden camp uh, and vice versa. So I don't think I, I there's still. We still have a bit of time before the election and a lot can happen. So I'm uh, I'm keeping this. Uh, I'm keeping my eyes on this uh, by 1900, 1900 marijuana convictions in San Francisco. In San Francisco, I mean, how popular must you be in San Francisco convicting people of marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, at the same time that she's putting people in jail for weed possession, she herself admitted that she had been smoking weed. I just this this is um this is crazy. I, I also think she let Weinstein was she did she do anything about Weinstein when she was attorney general of California and these cases were becoming public? Nothing. Zero. So the trouble is, is that when you pick a virtue signaling candidate, fine, but she at least has to be consistent enough 
her image needs to be her record needs to be consistent enough with her image to motivate the base that you need to have come out to support you. And the Democratic Party bases, the more they find out about this woman, the less they're going to like her. They didn't like her in the primaries. So why are they going to like her now? I saw an article saying that she's one of the most vetted people and that Biden made such a good choice because she's vetted. She's already been through a campaign. I'm like, okay, hey, the game's just starting. You're going into the into a hoping for a photo finish. And uh, I think there's still a ways to go on all of this. So. Uh, I again, not the best pick. And I think I think going to be uh, what will end up being a rough week for for Joe as as the days and weeks move on from here. All right. I do want to talk about other things going on. This uh, very interesting here. The the peace deal uh, brokered uh, between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. This is huge news and uh, give you a little bit of background on this, how this came about. Uh, so don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after these messages. Sam Rajovsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Have you been injured in a car or motorcycle accident and the insurance adjuster will only pay a fraction of your claim or even worse, nothing at all? That's not right. What is right? Finding an attorney who will be a fighter for you when you need it most. At Sam and Ash, we are revolutionizing personal injury representation by focusing on your rights and your recovery. Call us anytime at 702-820-1234. Or visit samandash.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk AM 840 KXNT, and this is Sam Nation. I'm rarely wrong, but always right, and delivering you, well, I think pretty dang good analysis on the week's issues. Uh, so if you really don't have a lot of time for politics, news, whatnot during the week, this hour, every 10 a.m. Sunday here, is a great little morsel that you can digest and still have, you know, you'll still know what's going on. You'll have a finger on the pulse of everything that's cooking. And if, of course, you miss us live, you can go on Stitcher, Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, tune in, get the podcast, look for Sam Nation. And that's me. All right. Now, I'm going to get to the peace deal, the the peace deal between the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and Israel. Big deal. But before I do, let's take a big uh, little pause here um, and, and talk about something that's also very big, although uh, maybe a little bit more pedestrian, less lofty, and that is Uber. Uber in California is under attack in the courts, and a judge just this last week decided that Uber would have a, a, a week or two weeks to basically quickly reclassify all of their employees, all their drivers as employees. Now, first of all, I generally speaking, the rule of thumb on what makes an employee an employee versus a, a independent contractor is the level of control that the employer has over the uh, over the employee's schedule or work. So it, it that's always been 
in California and most states has always been the test. You can't just make an employee an independent contractor. And they come into work every day and they're required to, you know, be there at 830 and they're and they 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 take a lunch and then you tell them what to do and how to do it. That doesn't work. That's an employee. But an independent contractor has always been somebody who is. And I, I always like to explain to people that where you you tell them what you need from them and they on their own with their own resources. And on their own time and on their own schedule, get the job done. So, for example, a gardener that works on your home, even if they're there a few times during the week, they operate on their own schedule. They come when they, I mean, now you may have a fixed time that they're there, but still they're an independent contractor. You don't control their day. You don't plan their day. They're planning their own day. And this is, in my view, what makes drivers for rideshare companies absolutely independent contractors. Because if you're a driver, the way it works is you get to pick if you take the next ride. You don't have to take it. You can turn your app off and you're done. I I don't know where you work, but uh, uh, at my company, that doesn't, you know, you can't do that. You can't just turn your phone off and say, all right, Sam, I'm not working this afternoon. <laughs> I'm out. Or one minute and then and then come back two hours later, right? The point is, is that Uber drivers historically have always had that kind of freedom. Plus, they're using their own car most of the time. If they're not using their own car, they're leasing one through one of the rental car companies that Uber has a relationship with. And this change, by the way, all the progressives out there that are screaming how this is great and it's a it's what it's what the drivers need and what they want. It's not true because my I've got a good friend who drives Uber out in California. He makes a great living doing it, actually. And he drives six days a week, about 12 hours a day. But he does it on his own time. He does not want to be an employee. He wants to be an independent contractor. Do you know why? Because he's, yes, he's happy paying the self-employment tax, all that jazz, but he likes the independence. And he likes running his expenses through his uh, his little business. It's net beneficial to him. From a tax basis and also just from a from an independence place. So I've I think that this is this is an example where the government tries to do something that they think is good and they end up messing with the good thing because Uber, if they've got if they are faced with having to uh, reclassify every every driver as an employee. The cost to the company skyrockets and. By the way, there it's just the model breaks down. The compliance breaks down because it's not even about the extra wages or the payroll tax or whatnot. It's about all the other liabilities. Now, how, how the hell is Uber going to mandate that a driver take his 10 minute or 15 minute break? His 30 minute lunch. This is a I, you know who wins in all of this are employment law attorneys, right? Plaintiff lawyers like me who will come along and and there will be a rash, if this goes through, a rash of cases by Uber drivers who, who, I didn't get my break. 
Because, of course, the burden in California is not on the employee to take the break. The burden is on the employee or you're to make sure that the employee takes the break. This stuff is just bananas. The other one that I'm following, and it's been percolating here in Las Vegas and elsewhere, is all this Grubhub uh, capping delivery fees because, of course, it's hurting local restaurants. So, the, the, of course, the solution, right, by, by well-intentioned politicians is to cap the fee. But then that breaks down the model. Hey, look, if, if a person's willing to pay the fee and the restaurant's willing to sell the food through Grubhub or whatever company, a food delivery company it is, then, then what, what role does government play in getting, in that, getting into that relationship? By the way, company, uh, you know, small restaurants do lose a lot of money to these uh, food delivery companies. And so if you if you really want, want to help your local restaurant, just buy food directly from them. Go and order it on their website or call them, you know, the old-fashioned way, pick up a phone. But efforts to regulate this is not is going to be a disaster because <laughs> no, it'll it'll result in the company in the service shutting down. At a time when I think people are relying on the service the most because there are some among us who are afraid to leave their homes and understood. So they 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 do order food and not the best timing for this type of intervention, in my view. All right. So big news here uh, out of the Middle East. And you're thinking, well, Sam, how does this have any bearing on us? And I, I'll say I'll say this. The one thing that. President Trump has been consistent about from the campaign was that he was not going to get us into any unnecessary military interventions. And by golly, now let's look back four years. He's done a pretty good job. I mean, we have still we have boxed Iran into a corner. We seem to be enjoying more or less friendly relations with North Korea and again have avoided war and by the same time have put the screws to them on their missile program. We've taken out several top terrorist commanders. We've literally blown them to smithereens and yet at the same time avoided war. And now comes this creme de la creme pièce de la résistance by Trump something that they've been working on for years. And it, the genesis of this peace deal is, of course, Iran. The reason that this peace deal occurred is because the, the Arab countries, the, and this is, by the way, the first Gulf Arab state to make, to, to establish diplomatic ties with Israel. It's a big deal. And only the third Arab country after Egypt and Jordan to have diplomatic relations with Israel. The reason they did this is because everyone in that region is terrified of Iran. And they know that Iran has territorial ambitions and is bat nuts crazy. And they're, they've got a nuke or very close to a nuke. All of this terrifies, terrifies other Gulf states. And what what they've and the reason I'm telling you, the reason that this deal has come around is because finally America has a president who gets Iran. 
He understands and has been consistent about the menace that the Iranian regime presents, not just to us, but you know, far more consequential that menace, I think, is to the, the region in, in the Middle East specifically. And having reliable, and I mean this, all the screaming about Trump being unreliable to our allies, the reason this deal happened, I'm going to say it again, is because Trump was 100% reliable when it came to Iran. And the most damaging thing, right, the, the reason that no peace like deal like this could occur back in during Obama's years is because every one of those Gulf countries was terrified. They were terrified by by the previous administration's weakness when it came to the Iranian regime and pacifying them with the big payoff and the Iran nuclear deal. I mean, that was that was absolutely that was so terrifying to our allies. I cannot overstate that. So, uh, of course, this didn't get a lot of play in the press and the media kind of blew this over and decided to talk about some other things. Um uh, I think ABC News did credit Trump, uh, saying that uh, Israel and the United Arab Emirates uh, are normalizing relations. And President Trump made the announcement. So that is about as much credit as Trump, I think, will get. All right. A little bit of polling. Also, some crazy news uh, out of North Carolina that did not get media attention as well. I, I'm a very sad story. I'll get to this when we come back right after this. Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Finding the right personal injury attorney in the bright lights of Las Vegas used to be as tough as finding free parking on the Strip. Now, both have changed. At Sam and Ash, you'll get experienced lawyers who care about you and only you. We've recovered a total of over $400 million for our clients. And while no one can guarantee a result in your case, experience like ours matters. Call us anytime, 702-820-1234. Or visit samandash.com. Because you deserve what's right. Sam Berjofsky back behind the Sam Nation microphone here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. So Russia has a vaccine, supposedly, uh, that is almost done. (laughs) I think I'd rather drink bleach. I mean, the (laughs) you know, years ago, I had a different law partner. And my uh, (laughs) I I had to be careful what I say, but I I just remember. I remember whenever he would talk to somebody else in our industry and that person, uh, that that person, of course, because this is what lawyers do, they exaggerate everything and they they overstate how how successful they are. So they would always the person would say, oh, I'm you know, I I made a million dollars. And he'd lose his mind and say, oh, my, how, how, could, how come we're not doing that? What, what are we doing wrong? And I'm like, he's exaggerating. Everything they do, it's an exaggeration. And this is Putin to a T. Everything. Putin's a paper tiger. When it comes, for example, to election interference, no one, and I literally mean no one, 
was happier about all the mainstream media coverage than Putin himself. <laughs> and the reason is, is because he's a carny. <laughs> he literally, he, he, the, the mainstream media, the American press, has been running for uh, what, two, three years on a, uh, on a narrative that, that boosts Putin into some you know, evil genius and supremely competent uh, political player in Russia as a uh, very able uh, country uh, and worthy adversary of the United States. When I am telling you, it's, it, it, literally the thing is hanging by a thread over there. So when it when it comes to this uh, this I don't know I I'll believe it when Putin uh, I hear that Putin's actually taken it and that he's given it to his kids now this is a stunt uh, there probably is some kind of a of, of a vaccine uh, whether or not it's safe uh, God only knows uh, so uh, we'll follow that that don't expect anything promising from that and remember just my helpful little friendly reminder here about COVID and the vaccine. Friends, the vaccine is not the silver bullet. The solution to COVID is improving the the treatment of the disease. That that's it. We know so much more about it. By the way, this is why death rates, proportional in, in, uh, infection rates, have actually declined. And and this is the reason for it is, is doctors are figuring it out. They figured out that. We used to be putting people on ventilators way too soon. That a ventilator really is a last resort. And they're figuring out these drug cocktails. And I, I'm just I mean, that's the that's the solution. The more and that's and that's what's that's the knowledge that every month that goes by we are accumulating. And, and I would say that's some of the best news in our fight against covid. So just um uh, that's I had to say that about the vaccine in Russia. Now, a terrible story, a 25 year old African-American man charged with killing a white five year old boy. Uh, this guy, Darius Sessoms, uh, is charged with first degree murder. He just walked up to a five year old boy and shot him in the head. Now, if this story uh, were told or occurred uh, the other way around. Uh, Meaning if the identities, the racial identities of the two parties, victim and perpetrator, were reversed, this story would be all over uh, front page news. And I think this is what particularly galls me in this in this whole narrative is. You know, one, we don't know. We don't know. This guy was mentally ill. There was a feud with the neighbor. We don't know his reasoning yet. And so the one thing we do not do on this program is we don't rush to any assumptions. I just at this point can only comment on the media on the media narrative. It didn't fit the narrative. The media doesn't report objectively. Because. For the media, there is no objective truth. There is an agenda. The agenda is decided on beforehand. And even so-called credible news outlets use that agenda as their as their outline. That they fit every news story. If it doesn't fit the outline, if it doesn't fit the narrative. 
the objective truth is discarded. It's put off to the side. And I just think that the American people are, I know, intuitively, they're starting to understand this. They're coming to terms with this. They get it, that they're being suckered. And they hear a story because, you know, it'll get up on Facebook and people will share it. And they'll hear about the story. And it is every parent's worst nightmare. Imagine. Your neighbor walks up to your child, shoots them in the head. And in a time when we look at everything through race, and I've been arguing loudly here that in in many cases, race is not the issue. It's being made the issue that we have regular conflicts among people, that we have strangers talking to strangers and not understanding one another, that we have bad police who use excessive force on on all people that they don't like. And, and, and race, statistically, is not a factor. But all those things aside, that a news story like this is not picked up and, and, and talked about, it's just, it is what it is. And I think it's, a, it's self-evident that it didn't fit the mainstream media narrative. So... Off, off it got discarded, and we will follow this and see how it develops. Now, I'll tell you, there is some good news, and that is that, well, I, I, I always like to fill you in a little bit on what's going on in Las Vegas here locally, uh, because many of you, I know, I hear from you, I get your emails, you're holding off, you're holding off coming to Vegas, you don't know what it's like, so let me just, let me give you a little, little, Bit of info. This is not based on any official figures, but for the first time, when I was driving on the strip, I was leaving a strip property uh, Monday, on Monday, a week ago. And for the first time, I had to wait a while leaving this particular location to wait for pedestrian traffic to pass. It was a Monday. So, by and large, people are coming to Vegas. Now, the, the tough thing is, is, and this is just, I, if any of you have been to the Strip and are local, I think you know where I'm headed with this. It's a different crowd out there, isn't it? It's a bit of a rougher crowd. And the reason is you've got $35 a night hotel rooms midweek. You've got the Sahara, 35 bucks, $38 a night midweek. So it's drawing in a different crowd than when the same room was $150, $250, right? The win is a high-end property, for example. You know, the, the midweek, I mean, they're sub $100. So the, the, the trick right now is I, it's all this has to work itself through, but the Mirage, that's the new, it's, the Mirage is reopening. So now MGM is down to one major report, uh, resort that remains closed, and that's, uh, one of my favorites, which is uh, the Park MGM. So I'm. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So I'm just. But my sense is that there's a there's a lot of foot traffic, and people are eating out at restaurants. I've I've said that last week. So I I mean I my overall sense is that people are accepting the risk, are coming to Vegas, are spending some amount of money, 
Uh, and we just got to keep hoping that these numbers stay stable and, uh, and, and start going down a bit so we can, uh, we can get people some jobs back because that is what this town needs. All right, friends, just like that, we're out of time. The hour is up. It's been fun. Thank you for, for being with us. Always a pleasure. I enjoy this tremendously. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend and be well. Sam Rajofsky, Sam Nation here on News Talk AM 840.